Welcome to the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, where we listen, learn, and love together. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message. I would love for you to see this video. Maybe you saw this in a commercial, but are you ready for this? Are you sure? Are you awake? Here we go. Wise men say only fools rush in, but I can't help falling in love with you. Oh, Let me tell you, how many of you have seen that commercial before? I was in, I was, uh, it came out several years ago. Uh, I remember being in our living room and uh, where my wife and I, she was cooking or something and we're getting ready. And I, I, I liked that song. And so I, I looked over to the TV that was on and I just stopped and we're looking at this commercial. Again, it, this came out several years ago, if I recall correctly. And it just hit me. What? Whoever it is, the marketers that came up with this commercial, I have to tip my hand off to them. They're geniuses for this one. Whether people bought the gum or not, or how good it was to people buying the gum, remember, this is a gum commercial, Trident. It is a gum commercial. But what did you feel when you were looking at that commercial, when you were watching that commercial? I don't know who said it first. And I don't know who said it since, and you can Google it. I did. There's different. It's, it's um, up for grabs. But nonetheless, it wasn't me, and I want to give credit always uh, to whoever gets credit, but I can't because I don't know who said it first. So here it is. We do not remember time, somebody once said. We remember moments. Now, you may agree or you may disagree, but right now, as you were watching that video, what that video is all about, it is the moments trajectory of this couple's life. And if you are married or you've been divorced or are, or a whole process, hey, there's moments that are coming to you, your mind. 
Because it is in the moments of life that we often remember. Doesn't matter how much time has passed, it is moments. The moments when you were born, you may not remember, but your parents remember. That first birthday for your child, your grandchild, that moment when you saw your grandchild, oh, what a beautiful moment for you. And that moment that when you got tired of your grandchild, you would never say it, you're able to give, give her or her back. Hallelujah. That moment when you bought your first car. That moment before you bought your first car that you got your driver's license. And you thought you owned the world, even though you didn't have a car yet. And then when you had the car, then you felt like free at last. Hallelujah. That first moment. The moments in time in that we live in. I still remember many of the moments as I watched that video the first time. It was because uh, this, this December is our anniversary and my wife and I will have been married one year. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 20 years. So, amen. Yeah, you can clap for that. Hallelujah. And I remember the first time. I, I know I look like I'm just 21 myself, but Amen. So, but I remember the first, uh, uh, not only the first time that uh, we went out, as a matter of fact, this past uh, week, October 22nd, was the first time I ever asked her out. I know within our community of faith, it is noted, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, ask your pastor, but it was, the, it was October 22nd is noted in our community of faith as a date called the Great Disappointment. I call it the great appointment. Hallelujah. So, so it, it was. And let me tell you, you see the man writing up here in the video. And this is in, in part, perhaps subconsciously, why it touched me so much. Because I can't draw worth a lick. I have a hard time drawing a stick figure. Some of you are, are I love art. But I love watching people do art because I don't know how to, do, I, I just can't draw. So, He's drawing all that, but I don't know how to draw. But I have the bulletin. Here now, this is an all, this is all moment. I have the bulletin in which my wife gave me her phone number. Yes, yes. It, it gives the, it says October 22nd. It was at Ebenezer Spanish Church in Miami, Florida. The title, the, the preacher, we actually ended up getting married in that pastor's church years later. And I kept that moment. It's still in my Bible. Everybody says, you need to frame that. Now, my wife will tell you I'm not the most romantic person in the world. Right, guys? Some of us need to work on things. But man, I score a lot of points when I bring that up, when I pull, pull that that's my best shot, you know. Get a, you get into a little, you get into the moments where you're arguing, because I'm sure none of you have ever argued in your life, right? Just being transparent here. I got to pull out that moment. But remember, remember, right? The moments of life. 
And let me tell you, if, if, if you read the Bible, understanding not just the overarching story or moment, one would say or maybe argue about, but also the moments that we read throughout the Bible, it's the multitude of stories from Genesis, the beginning of creation, all the way down to Revelation. The Bible is full of moments. The life and story of Jesus in particular in the Gospels is definitely filled with moments, incredible moments. One of these moments is one of my favorite that rises to the top of my memory is mentioned three times in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John. But the story stands out in Matthew 14, verse 22 through 33. And many of you, if not all of you, have heard this story before. You're already seeing the pictures on the screen from the beginning. It is a story of what? Talk to me now. Come on, you're seeing water in a foot. What is the story about? Peter walking on water. So if you're there in Matthew 14, verse 22, say amen. amen. Now let me give you a little background to this story. And, and I know you've heard it. I know you, you remember it now. I know you understand that moment. But just, just let us, um, as some of the younger folks say these days, let us just slow your roll. Just... just Bear with us here, because sometimes, and I've been guilty of this, we have read these stories, or we know these stories, and we go by them so fast. Or we've heard sermons of them many, a multitude of times, and we say, I have heard that, and we shut ourselves off. But I plead with you just to follow me and go with me in this narrative, in this moment. You see, Jesus at this point had performed an amazing miracle previously in the narrative, to what was about to happen. It was the feeding of the 5,000, and hear me out, with a couple of loaves of, uh, you know, with five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. The name of Jesus, very important, the name of Jesus had by this time grown to the point where they essentially wanted to make him king. As a matter of fact, I believe the, in John it states that they wanted to make him king, but it wasn't his time, of course. Because the cross loomed before Jesus. So Jesus disperses the crowd. Don't miss that. Jesus is the one that says disperse the crowd. The disciples wanted the crowd to make him king. Jesus pushes the crowd metaphorically away and says, no, go away. He sends the disciples off on the boat across the, to go across the lake. And he does not go with them at this point. He goes away to pray. And so we read now in verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into this boat and go ahead of him on the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Just a stroll. That's, not, that's the Javier Diaz version part. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid, amen. 
And this is often where we hear a large part of the dissection, one would say, of the narrative of the story, right? Don't be afraid. Jesus is with us. Jesus will take care of us. He's not just some ghost walking out on the lake, right? Praise the Lord. Great sermons. Very, very good point. But I believe in this moment, as I've been studying, there's even more. I'm not saying that that isn't part of it. Absolutely. But in the narrative, Peter says, Lord, if it's what? You, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, what had Jesus just told Peter and the others on the boat? It is I. Right? Come. And so, and so, and so Jesus essentially then says, to them, to him, okay, come. Come. He says, come. Come. If it's you, Jesus, come. Now, we often immediately, perhaps by good reason, we jump on Peter because we know, by and large, or many of us know, that ultimately Peter began to what? Sink. Yet we need to give Peter, I would venture to say, and if you want to argue with me, just email me at jonathan.peinado at gmail.com and send all the questions there. He will answer them, I guarantee you. But we need to give Peter credit because in the narrative of the entire scriptures from Genesis to Revelation that I understand, and I've spent a little bit of time in the Bible, praise the Lord, amen. Amen. There is no other story in which a disciple actually steps out and is walking on water. Peter had been a fisherman, as we know. He had spent a better part of his life on on the lake, on the water. Now, I don't know about you here in Jacksonville. You do have a beach close by, but maybe you're one of those that has something close by but never goes to it. I'll let you answer that question. I think some of you already did by your growling. But I love the water. I grew up in Los Angeles going to the being a beach bum from a very young man. And then at 19, I moved to the wonderful country, I mean city of Miami, Um, That was a joke. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) Miami, Florida, where I met my wife. And uh, that became our home and has since then become our home, away from home. So I have loved the water. We have loved the water. Spent a lot of time on the water. Love to swim on the water. All kinds of things. I've done many things on the water like perhaps you have. But I don't know about you all, but I've never walked on water. There have been times where I have been wanting to walk on water and it just didn't happen. There have been times where I needed to walk on water and it would have been better, especially when you go fishing at times. You just want to, it doesn't work. But Peter, he hears, come. At this time, the storm is still roaring behind him or in front of him, beside him, all around him. Nobody else comes. It is Peter at this time. Follow this narrative. Trust me, you're going to want to hear this at the end. He comes and he's walking or begins. Now, the narrative doesn't tell us. I, I kind of figure, maybe it's my cognitive way of thinking, because Jesus was a considerable way from them, we read earlier. So I wonder if Jesus continues walking as Peter, the narrative doesn't tell us, or if Jesus stops in the middle of the lake while P- 
Peter is walking towards him. Narrative doesn't tell us specifically, I don't think. But nonetheless, here is the scene. Wind, water coming. Disciples afraid. Peter is walking. Jesus is there. But we have to give him credit. He steps out. And I think today, just perhaps, I'm talking to somebody that just needs to step out. Step out of your boat and come because Jesus is calling you. You want to get a better job? Sorry, watching Netflix on your couch isn't going to cut it. Come out. Step out. At least don't go to Netflix.com on your laptop or your iPad, but go to INeedAJob.com. You're in a bad relationship. Jesus is saying maybe, perhaps, step out of your boat and come. You're in a spiritual rut with Jesus. Come step out of your lukewarm spiritual life. The life which perhaps you're not spending time with Jesus, if we're honest. Our prayers are like drive-thrus, and I know Jesus answers drive-thru prayers. But Jesus doesn't want us to just drive through. He wants us to park and sit and have a meal with him. And maybe you're scrolling through the different aspects of life. Some of you caught what I just said and some of you didn't. Some of us are scrolling through life. You know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, scrolling. And we're watching everybody else's life. But Jesus is saying, come out and come Maybe you need to put that to a side. Hey, social media is great. It's wonderful. But, but, but just maybe it's not about watching what other people are doing in their life, but what Jesus wants to do in your life. And he's saying, come. Let's be honest, though. It's easier to stay in the boat. Everybody else did in this narrative, in this story, in this moment. It's easier to stay in the boat. It, it seems to be safer to be in the boat. And not take any risks. It seems to be better. I just want to stay in my boat. Sometimes even our moments of trials and tribulations or, or moments in bad relationships or moments, we prefer sometimes to stay in that boat because we're so accustomed to it. But Jesus says, step out and come. So Peter steps out. But then Peter, obviously, as he stepped out, again, as I was saying, he began to step forward. This we know very clearly. Now, let me tell you, when you really step out of your boat, whatever it is that you or the Lord may be telling you that you need to step out in faith, and you step forward, by and large, not everything will go as planned. I'm talking to somebody here. We begin to doubt and this is when I believe faith really has to be exercised. Faith is not exercised so much on the couch as it is when we step out in faith. If we're waiting to see what everything looks like, then that's not faith, that's your own strength. The story, the narrative says, but when he saw the wind... He was what? Now, at least in this version, what do you notice in that text? If you get this, 
Pastor Jonathan will invite you to eat anywhere you want. Pick the most expensive place. He will take you there in the name of Jesus. So what is it? He saw the wind. There you go. There you go, Jonathan. Taco Bell, here you come. <laughs> he saw the wind. How many of you have seen wind? None of us. We don't see wind. We what? We feel the wind. Right? It's like who invented electricity? Hmm? The reality is that it's been said electricity wasn't invented. Electricity was harnessed. Right? You can argue with that. It was, it was God. God. The wind. He saw the wind. What he saw was the results of what the wind was doing. The clashing of the waves. Maybe he heard the wind, the howling. He saw what was happening before him, and he began to doubt. And at this very moment, follow me here, is when Peter begins to sink. Is when everything begins to change, but it was in that moment, it seems, that Jesus was trying to teach Peter, and perhaps obviously those with him, a lesson. A book that was written on this text many years ago by John Ortberg. And if you never read the book, it's still very valid in today's world, I believe. Uh, but he wrote the book. It's called If You Want to Walk on Water, You Got to Step Out of Your Boat. Anybody here read the book? Highly recommend it. And he says, the decision to grow always involves a choice between risk and comfort. And so we, we have to hand it to Peter. Peter took a risk. Lord, if it's you, let me come. And Jesus says, come. He took the risk. Everybody else did in the boat. He steps out. He's stepping forward. But John Ortberg says in his book, this means that to be a follower of Jesus, you must renounce comfort as the ultimate value of your life. What a powerful, powerful observation. The depthness of this moment cannot be overlooked because too often in our own Christian experience and just overall journey of life, and if we, if we look to some degree culture around us, it's calling us more and more to just live the comfortable life. Now look, I love comfort. I, I love to, hey, sit down and just relax on my wonderful couch. I have this, I have this love seat, this recliner, I should say, that... Uh, my wife, years ago, allowed, me to, allowed us to buy. She chose it, but, but I call it mine. But she sits in it quite a bit, too. But I enjoy sitting on that you know, recliner and just relaxing with my iPad, maybe watching a movie, documentary, whatever it may be. And men, have you noticed how hard it is to get up after that? When you spend a long time kind of sitting and just chilling and just relaxing, and you sometimes, I don't know about you, but me, but it, it, can lead, you, it could lead to be even even more lazy. And then if you, if you begin to have some food around you and you're eating some nice vegan potato chips. No, I don't, but let's just pretend, <laughs> right? And then, then, then you take a snooze and, and, and then you, you just want to continue and then you say, oh, just one more episode. 
I'm talking to somebody here today. And listen, there are moments to relax. We need them. But overall, the ultimate value of life, I have never seen, I don't know, maybe you have, the Christian experience of any human that really wants to move forward in what God would call us to live, and that is open. I'm not here to tell you what it is exactly because I know that God has a plan and moments and has already in each and every one of your lives. Regardless of age, regardless of ethnic background, regardless of anything, Jesus came to save the entire world. And when he saves us, he empowers us and he leads us out of our boats. What is he calling you to step out and take a risk in this moment? What is he really wanting to teach you even right now? I don't know, but every time I look at this text, I look at this teaching, it challenges me to step out of my comfort zone and step out into what God has called me because every time in coming full circle, I have seen great things done for God. It has been of people, through a person, through people in which they have taken risks. And those things that not seem like they were going to be successful or not successful, whatever that may mean for that journey. They have stepped out of their boats and they're saying, we're going to give this a shot and God will leave it in God's hands. That's easier said than done sometimes. Right? Because when we do this, it is when we really step up in our relationship with Jesus. The text in the narrative says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand as Peter began to sink and caught him. And what did he say? You of little faith, he said, why did you, why did you doubt? And this is the other part that we really, really focus on too, appropriately so. Why did you doubt, Peter? Why did you feel and see the effects that was around you of the wind? The story goes on because in this moment, I'm going to tell you, it was a moment like no other. Follow me here. Because when we step out and step forward, we step up in our experience with Jesus. I'm going to say that again. When we step up, out and forward in faith and listen to the moments that God is speaking to us, like this moment, we step up in our experience with Jesus. The narrative finishes and says, when they climbed into the boat, what does it say there? The wind. I, I almost feel like here in Matthew, Matthew is purposely through the Spirit putting that word there. The wind died down. In one end, it says here that he saw the wind. And that's when the doubt came. At the end, it says that when Jesus, basically, when Jesus grabs him and is going to the boat, the first thing that Matthew tells us is the wind died down. Follow me here. Then those who were in the boat worshiped. Then those were who were in the boat worshiped. So they're hearing this, the howling of the wind, seeing what it's causing. Jesus grabs Peter. However that was, was he strong enough to literally just pull him out? Because I have helped people out of the water. I have helped people who are drowning. And it's not that easy to just pull them up out of the water. Right? You literally have to sometimes either, depending how crazy they are in the water, if they're panicking, 
You, you got to be careful. They don't jump on you and they drown you. There's many things that in my mind are coming into this because I've been in this position before. I remember my uh, cousin, we were swimming, and I enjoy swimming some, some large distances, and we were far from the shore, and he got a cramp. And he could, we could obviously not touch the bottom of the ocean. And he got a cramp, and he was literally sinking because he, he was in so much pain. And so he, he is a bit bigger than I am, and so I, I had to help him, coach him. The first thing in the water you need to do no matter what is what? Remain calm. I know that's easier said than done. And secondly, I said, lie on your back. And then I grabbed him here as he was like, he was still in pain. And I began to swim closer and closer as I was dragging him. So you can see it's, it's, the narrative doesn't tell us all this. But Jesus grabs him by the hand, pulls him up, it seems. And in the midst of this, it went, and it stopped. Just put yourself in that situation. Truly, you are the Son of God. What was Jesus speaking to Peter about in this moment? Some tempt to believe that the real miracle here is Peter walking on water or even Jesus walking on water. But I believe there's, the walking on water actually had nothing to do with it. Follow me here. I, I, I don't think... The walking on water really was, has anything. There's no other story of anybody else, not even Jesus, walking on water. Have you heard sometimes we make a big deal of this or we joke about it to some degree? You're not Jesus. You can't walk on water. Because really it seems that this story was not about Jesus or Peter walking on water. As a matter of fact, there is in Matthew, if you follow with me, another story tends to be similar. Some confuse it. But if you go to Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. If you're there, say amen. It says, Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly... A furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was at this point what? <laughs> there's a boat, there's a lake, there's disciples, there's Jesus. But this time Jesus is not walking on water. This time Jesus is taking the snooze like maybe some of you want to do right now. He's, he's sleeping. Think about this. The disciples had already experienced, it seems, things of this nature at a different level. The disciples went, verse 25, the disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us, for we are going to what? Drown. And he replied, you of what? Of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, listen carefully, and rebuked what? the winds and the waves and it was completely calm the men were amazed and asked what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him ah there was another scene wasn't walking on water this one was even as good I would venture to say because in the midst of this mighty storm Jesus is knocked out. 
Some of you get woken up just by a lightning that strikes here in one of our wonderful Florida storms. Or all the hurricanes that come. We're putting up boards as we should and taking care of everything. And, oh, Lord, help us, help us. And we're wanting the winds to blow it away, right? Blow it away into the ocean. Amen. Like Dorian, it it blew away from us, not so much from the Bahamas. Praise the Lord if you were part of that help. But this moment, one of my favorite writers says this. Jesus read the character of his disciples. He knew how sorely their faith was to be tried in this incident on the sea. And she's talking about the incident of Jesus walking on water. He desired to reveal to Peter his own what? Weakness. Think about this. His own weakness. To show that his safety was in constant dependence upon divine power. And in the storms of temptation, he could walk safely only as an utter self-distrust. He should rely upon the Savior. It was on this point where he taught, he thought himself strong that Peter was weak. Think about that. And he continues and he says, or she continues, and not until he discerned his weakness could he realize his need of dependence upon Christ. Could it be that in this moment, absolutely Peter was being taught in that moment, not just the essence of walking on water, but the need to depend fully upon the one who was saying, come. Now watch. Had he learned the lesson that Jesus sought to teach him in that, the word here used is experience, but are you okay? And if not, well, again, go to that email that I mentioned to you. In that moment on the sea, he would not have failed when the greatest test came upon him. What was that greatest test? What was that greatest test for Peter? When he denied Jesus. Day by day, God instructs his children by the circumstances of the daily life he is preparing them to act their part upon the wider stage to which his providence has appointed them. (coughs) Excuse me. It is the issue of the daily test that determines their victory or defeat in life's great crises. (coughs) The depthness of that moment according to this author, is profound. You see, it was in that moment, and I would venture to say that in part, it was even in the moment before of the previous experience, one would say on the sea as well when Jesus is sleeping, that Jesus was trying moment by moment in the daily lives of his disciples and in this particular narrative of Jesus and Peter walking on water, he was trying to teach him once again in that moment that he would have to depend solely on the faith of Jesus and what Jesus has done and what Jesus has promised. Because there would come a time where his faith would be sorely tested. And in that moment, according to the writer, the commentator, Ellen White, many of you know who she is. She says, if he would have caught it here, are you with me? Over here, it would have perhaps not happened, it seems. If we agree with that theme... The denying, the Peter denying story would have not happened if he would have caught 
what Jesus wanted to teach him in this, can I say it? Moment. I don't know about you, but I can know many moments in my life where Jesus is consistently speaking to me. He's consistently telling me, Javier, it is not about you. You're not that good. Javier, it's not about you. It's not your faith. It's faith in me and my faith. As a matter of fact, I don't have it up, I don't have it up here. But you can go to Desire of Ages in the same place. And in the story of Jesus sleeping, uh, the writer states that he was able to sleep because Jesus did not depend on his own faith. Whoa. Jesus depended on the faith of his father. Because he had, he had let go, right? He was fully God, fully human. He had released himself from that. And as in that individual, he was relying. He was so at peace. No matter what, he was so at peace. And the faith of his Father God. We are called to have this faith of champions. It is not what we are. Because if I depend on my own faith, my own faith worries. It goes up and down. I don't know about yours. If, you're, if yours doesn't, here, you can preach. Because I got to sit down and listen to you. If we're honest and transparent. Every pastor. Every human. If you're human, you've had at some point your faith has come up and down. And if it hasn't, once again, please stand up here. Tell me why. It's never, it's never faltered. So it says we are to depend. Peter was saying in that moment, don't depend on your faith, Peter. Yes, I said come. But I'm saying come because you get to depend on His faith, His faithfulness. And whatever may happen, He is faithful. On that day, if right now I leave this place and God forbid, as my wife and I drive home, God forbid something happens and everything just was, we were going the speed limit and everything, and God forbid, then I have to and my family has to believe that God is faithful. And on that day, Jesus will say, come, arise, move. Come into the new world. You see, I think Peter caught this. And that's why I missed this. I missed this text. Because I just went through the story. But when you look at the overarching narrative of the life of Peter, this is the last text. If, if, if I'm not, you can, you can double check me. The last words of Peter that we have in Scripture. And by the time he writes Peter, the letter after, that was named after him, Self. He had been in ministry 30-some years, give or take. He would ultimately, as history tells us, has said, he'd ultimately, the way he died, how did he die? Down. On a cross, upside down. So he took the risk, and, it, and, and at least for Peter, it didn't work out exactly. You know, he, he, he didn't just fall asleep. No, he, he got crucified like his Savior Seems like he learned his lesson in the moments. But then he says these words. And again, we don't hear from Peter again. At least not from his writings. And it says, but grow. I can just imagine Peter, an older man now, having seen and remembered all the moments just like in the video. The moments of that couple's lives leading to that marriage or that proposal. 
And if we can just think all the moments and when God was trying to speak to us and teach us, just like this moment. This moment, you know, when we come to church, often, you know, we can complain about the songs we don't like or the people that sing them that we don't like or the person that plays the, the piano that we don't like. We complain all kinds of things. If we were not to complain about what we like and don't like in our preferences and we would actually come and gather, as we're doing here and we have here beautifully, and just be in the moment to what God wants to tell us through the music, through the prayers, through the sermon, through everything. If we would just let it allow, because Peter got it. He got it, and he leaves with the words for us to catch it, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he says, to him be Glory, both now and forever. Amen. And we won't hear from Peter until Jesus comes. So Jesus says today, as we close, it is in the moments of our lives in which God works in us to grow us in Jesus, to step up in our faith, to step out of our boats and move forward, that our faith and our relationship with Jesus grows because we, we trust in his faith. <coughs> we are forgiven in Jesus. Whatever you have gone through in your life, Jesus forgives. Doesn't mean there isn't ramifications in this world. But Jesus forgives. He makes all things new. I don't know how it's going to be in that day where, where King David is there. And who he had killed. Who did he have killed? Uriah. Uriah. Think about that moment. It is not in their faith. It is in the faith of Jesus that they have put their faith on. And many other moments in the Bible that at that time it is about thinking this is about Jesus who took all the sinful moments of humanity onto himself. And said, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. He took all the moments of your life, of my life, onto himself. And bore the sins of our lives. And he said, it is in that moment on the cross that everything changed for all of humanity. It is in that moment that Jesus says, come. It is in that moment that I believe Jesus down the corridor of time saw you and saw you and saw you and knows everything about you. Right now, what you're thinking, I hope he's almost done because I'm hungry. He knows that. But I want you to capture this because I don't know when my next moment here will be or your next moment. But I know in this moment, as we close, I'll ask the worship team to come forward as we sing this closing hymn song what is God speaking to you about what is he telling may it be that in this moment we will rely fully in the faith of Jesus and what he has done and is doing and will do for all glory and honor and as Peter said may we grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and I would add, in this moment. This podcast is brought to you by the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. 
Connect with us on www.jaxsda.org or on Facebook and YouTube. We look forward to sharing more inspiring messages with you.